I would totally go through that stroke again. To have this perspective, shoot, bring it on. 2019, we were touring with Zach Brown. Uh, we were about to go to Australia. We take the stage in Roanoke, probably 2,500 people there. Cotton Candy Skies, Ferris Wheels, and Funnel Cakes. Got through about two or three songs. I felt dizzy. When I turned my head, I heard a mm. like big pop oh, man. Behind, in my ear. It was a blessing that I was on stage because the EMT and everybody was watching me. They got me to a trombone hospital. My tour manager was like, this is what's happening. Yeah. He has an AVM and uh, they saved my life. I woke up in the hospital, couldn't move anything for about a week and a half, two weeks. I kind of said to God and everything else, if you give me the opportunity to get out of this, I'm gonna flip it. Benefit for the brain, it was like a prophecy being fulfilled. So that night, <laughs> playing at the Ryman, that was a full circle thing. But man, angels are real, miracles are real, and people, praying's real. Drake White, What's welcome that? to the podcast. Man, good to be here. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm uh, happy you're able to make it. I know uh, last time uh, we were scheduled to do this, I had a kind of an emergency come up, so... Mm. Appreciate you coming all the way back and doing it again. My pleasure, man. Uh, I'm uh, glad to be here. Things happen, and you know, I think we're all we're all supposed to be where we're supposed to be in the times we're supposed to be there. So that's I'm right. glad to be here. That's right. So, um, you know, talk a little bit about where you, where you grew up, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're, we're in Nashville now. Drake and I uh, have become friends over the last couple of years. You came down for stem cells a couple of years ago. We had a bunch of mutual friends. I'd heard mm -hmm. about you for probably. 10 years before that. Same. And, uh, uh, of course we hit it off and, um, got to be good friends since, but, uh, give people a little background on your, on your story, how you got to Nashville and, uh, yeah. uh all that good stuff. Yeah. I grew up in uh, a great little small town called Hoax Bluff, Alabama. It's in the foothills of the Appalachian mountains, about 50 miles North of Birmingham. Uh, everybody knows everybody. Um, my grandfather was a preacher. My dad sang in the choir, mom sang in the choir. Um, just grew up in that, uh, you know, won a state championship in high school football that, you know, there'd be 10,000 people there at a high school football game on Friday night. Um, just grew up in that town, you know, that town, uh, learning how to hunt, learning how to fish, learning how to talk to people, had a little landscaping company. My mom was a cosmetologist. Uh, dad worked at Goodyear trying rubber plants. So, you know, just a very middle, hardworking, middle-class family and uh, just God-fearing uh, loving folks and it was it, I had a fantastic upbringing you know our uh, that town of Hoax Bluff Alabama is about 4,200 people outside of a, a town called Gadsden Alabama that's about I guess 100,000 and um, just a great little Alabama town yeah and so uh, I guess you're real close to your mom and dad I mm -hmm. remember they were at the uh, they were at the show correct uh, yeah. um the uh, benefit for the benefit brain. for the brain. I was gonna yeah. say battle for the brain. Benefit yeah. for the brain uh, at Ryman, which was an awesome event. Oh, we'll so get good. into that. Thank you for, thank you for being a part of, of course, that. man. Thank you for uh, for inviting me. But um, you know, it reminds me like hearing you know how you grew up and you know middle class, working class family, uh, the importance of family. And I think today I was actually having a discussion about this last night. Uh, today society's trying to in a way, push us away from family. Um, what do you think about the importance of a family in your life and how it's kind of molded you, you know, through your career in music, but also through, uh, you know, some of the stuff you've been through the last few years? Yeah, it's everything. It is, 
it's absolutely everything um, to have that support and to have that thing. And that's what, you know, we're not battling something. I, I, I agree with your first statement of that, that, you know, the masculinity and the, the family is being attacked right now. It's been being attacked since the beginning of time. And it's the battle of good and evil. Evil's going to attack masculinity and they're, he's going to attack um, the family because, you know, if you break apart the family, you break apart those uh, those the, those institutions, those morals, those uh, those backbones. Um, then you've got it. You've you've got a weaker uh, system to to penetrate or whatever you need to do. Um, so for me, having that family that was you know going through the music industry, going through uh, you know moving and going through travels and. Uh, just having the tenacity or having the the drive of of that challenges are good and understanding that uh, you're going to face these things and you can't have good character without uh, and have an easy life. You can't have both of those things. I think I said that yesterday on my Instagram page. But it's like having that that father figure, a good earthly father, gives me an unbelievable respect for my heavenly father. Gives me a good unbelievable respect for men and for women and the equality of all races, the equality of all men and women and race and gender and everything. Uh, so it, that family helped me through, uh, it's helped me through everything and it's meant it, it is the difference in why I'm sitting here. Yeah. What do you think the, the biggest lesson your dad taught you was growing up? Um, well, two things. I mean, it, it's cliche, but, uh, answer to this question is probably going to be cliche, but it's, it's the golden rule and always do what you say you're going to do every time you say you're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That happens a lot, you know, and I think that we're all somewhat uh, guilty of it sometimes, you know, where we're like, oh, yeah, 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 and maybe you forget or whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, trust is one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. And when you can consistently do what you say and people know if you say that you're going to do it, you know, that's your word, that's your bond. You're not going to break your word or your bond. Yeah. Um, I think that that can really take you, you know, far in life. Absolutely, man. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's, um, and it's different. It, it, it's different now. You don't, it's, it almost seems, uh, in business or in, uh, in life, it, it seems now that the, the, the proximity that, that we choose to hang around that I've seen that you surround yourself with and, you know, I believe proximity is power, you know, and, and the people that I choose to have in my band and having my, my clicks and my, you know, those people do what they say they're going to do. But to find people like that, uh, takes a lot of concentration, uh, a lot of prayer and, and, and it's, it's really not me. It's, you know, like attracts like yeah. in my mind. And, and I think having that confidence, you know, a lot of times the world will say, well, you don't want to be pompous or you don't want to be cocky. Well, I can sit here and say that I am made of the most high power. I'm, I'm made of the same fingerprints and I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. And uh, I've been through a lot and I'm, I'm talented. Um, my best days are ahead of me. You know, my health is improving. I'm going to be a blessing and a lot to people around me and help people around me and give people the benefit of the, of the doubt. The world is for me. It's not against me, mm -hmm. even though I'm sure we're going to get into, you know, I have a very realistic view of the world because we get to travel so lot, mm -hmm. uh, so much. But 
I do believe the world is for you. I do believe people are for you and not against you, and everybody's not out to get you. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a work. It takes a lot of work to to keep that mindset, mm-hmm. and I can control my mindset. It's one of the few things we can control, and that was that was instilled in me in my family through my family with my dad with my granddad with my uncle um and my mom my mom you know very strong person yeah you said a couple things you're talking about proximity number one um and you were you were talking about uh oh gosh what was the second part um well let's go to proximity Mm -hmm. because proximity what i think what you're saying is you are who you surround yourself with yeah you know that the people that you're around uh pretty much dictate how your life in many ways is going to turn out. You know, mm-hmm. you hang out with, you know, nine drug dealers and robbers, you're probably gonna be a drug dealer or robber. Mm-hmm. You hang out with uh, nine uh, successful people, uh, entrepreneurs, professional athletes, hardworking people, you're gonna be uh, entrepreneur or successful. Sure. Um, those type of things. Kind of go into that and how, how uh, you know, what have you learned through that through the years? Maybe some uh, downsides too, where mm-hmm. you're hanging out with the, the wrong people. I don't know that you, you were, but, yeah. uh, and you know, uh, the upside of it all, obviously where you're at now. Sure. <clears throat> I've always, um, I've always enjoyed a bar. <laughs> I, I like a bar. I like the, the smokiness of it. I grew up and, you know, I started playing them in, in them when I was 19, 20 mm-hmm. and, um, being around people and I think alcohol uh, what, what is that saying? Uh, uh, sober man's thoughts or a drunk man's words. Is that it? Or a drunk man's. Uh, drunk man's uh, sober man's thoughts is a drunk is a drunk man's words. Yeah. Sober man's thought is a drunk man's words. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but I went, I went at that answer at this answer that way, because I, I've always liked in, in the spirit of, it didn't matter where you came from, you know, or how you got there, what, whatever. Like the lower class, the classifications of people did never matter to me. In school, I was in school with people that lived in school buses. You know, I was in school with people that that were that were lived out in the middle of nowhere and had nothing, and they had they had a lot to give. I I, I have a lot of friends that were in that world, and my dad, we we kind of you know we were you know, getting into 16, 17 years old and you want to go hang out with those, uh, you know, society would call call it call them lesser thans, you know, or something like that. I was always drawn to to people that that had a skill, you know, whether they but but this guy, dad, he knows how to rebuild a 350, you know, engine. This guy is one of the best trackers and trappers I've ever seen. You know, and dad's like, yeah, his dad ran whiskey and his, his, his granddad, you know, grows pot, you know? And I was like, I know that's what's cool. There was like this rebellious side of, of them. And, uh, it was like, well, you are son who you hang out with, like, and you will, um, you will re you know, you will have to, uh, you'll turn into, you know, you sleep with dogs, you'll get fleas type mm-hmm. of situation. And it took me a long time coming out of high school uh, and, and starting to get into college, it I basically took me to my junior and senior year of high school to understand what my dad was saying. Um, because now looking back at those guys that I was hanging out with, 
that were making those poor decisions. You see, you see jail. You see, um, you know, addict, addict hurts habits and hangups, and you see overdoses. You see, small town. I mean, there's there's fentanyl. There's all kinds of stuff that have killed, you know, dozens of my friends that I'm talking about. And then you see those guys that were maybe I, I would call them squares or something in in high school. You see those guys that were that were, you know, waking up early and going to, uh, and going to bed early and, and wouldn't be at the parties or what. And, and they're doctors and they're and not all of them, not all of them. But I'm saying it took getting out of that place and traveling a little bit to understand that that my that you know the the elders in my family and in my life, they were, they were right, you know, in seeing that the proximity truly is power in the fact that you are a sum of, of what you choose to be around and what you choose to tolerate. And now as I've gotten older, it's just, I don't have time, you know, to, there's so many good people in my life, like mm -hmm. yourself and, and people, um, that are pushing me to like I have I have very very high standards and high goals, and it is not that like my time is so precious now that I have a, a baby and and I have my family and stuff like that that um, I can tell really quickly if 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 not if you're worth my time that sounds bad but like if if it's worth my time to go in because if you're not you know people high achieving people. Uh, like to be around high achieving people. That's right. And if you're if low achieving people don't like to be around high achieving people, they <laughs> call them bigots or they call them, you know, pompous or they call them, you know, the ten thousand things you can think of. And um, so it it I know I've kind of went around, but it is one of the most important things. Is my my my, my group is is small and mighty, you mm -hmm. know, and it, it is, uh, I let very few people in it. Um, but I'm also, I go back to that childhood type of mentality of the world is for me. Yeah. You know, people are for me and people are good. Well, that was the second part of what you said, the world is for you. And, um, you know, I also think what's happening in society right now, we're seeing that people are becoming victims to their circumstances like crazy. They're almost getting praised to be a victim. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's this oppression mentality. I'm so oppressed. I always say it looks like the, uh, the oppression Olympics, mm. you know, who can be more uh, oppressed. But the reality is uh, it's all perspective because you can choose to see that the world is against you or you can choose to see the world is for you. And, mm. you know, you think about from a su being successful standpoint, uh, if we saw the world against us and everything, we wouldn't be successful, yeah. but it is a perspective and people do have the choice to look at it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we there's very few things that you can control in this life, and and one of them is your attitude and how you look at things. And uh, uh, I know this has been all over the internet, and your listeners are probably very privy to the Jocko thing of good. You know, mm -hmm. if challenges hit me, whether it be a stroke now, you know, or you know, health challenges or you know, a dropped record deal or a song doesn't do good. Mm -hmm. It's going to push me in a direction that's going to cause an invention that, you know, when I had just a little bit of an insight uh, at an AVM, which is uh, arterial venous malformation, and I'm sure we'll get into more of this, but it's a wad of veins in our arteries the size of a lime that was right here that ultimately caused a stroke on stage 
Um, but that water veins and arteries, the first time, and this took, this took a lot of, um, you know, this took a lot of training, you know, and a lot of thought and, and, uh, discipline to, to develop this type of mentality. But, um, ultimately when I heard that I had that water veins and arteries and that they didn't know what it was, it could have been cancers. It could have been my first thought was, dang, I've done pretty good with lack of the <laughs> lack of adequate blood flow to my to my brain. Mm -hmm. Imagine when they get that right, what I'm going to be able to do. Yeah, <laughs> that was my first thought. Right, that's that's good. Yes, and if you and that's always and I to go back to your first thing, that is men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that is your that is men that is men and it's not just men. It's men and women in your life proximity. Mm -hmm. Your parents, your my, my mom and dad have been married for 45 years. I know how lucky I am. Yeah. I know how that is, that mentality is, is everything happens for a reason and you're going through this for a reason and keep going because something good's going to happen. And I still, I still, I live with that every day. Yeah. You know, and, and you talk about, um, you know, men or masculinity and those type of things. And of course now there's these. Uh, you know, people call it toxically masculine and all this BS. Mm -hmm. And um, I've gotten somewhat intolerant with it now. Mm -hmm. You know, at first I would try to like reason with people, but now it's, it's, it, it's so absurd because it's being pushed on us so much. And as you, as you watch society degrade, you know, to a point, um, you know, I think more people have to speak out and say, no, you know, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong. Like my masculinity, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it by any means. And mm -hmm. I use it for good. And I don't, abuse people. I treat people really well. And that's part of the power of being a man mm -hmm. is that you can be a strong man, but you can be kind and gentle and loving and, and those type of things, but still uh, hold that power. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've watched it, you know, the last few years kind of degrading um, and, and being abused as far as the, the idea of, of, of that masculinity. Um, and people, you know, think that if, if you talk about that, you know, somehow you're uh, suggesting women aren't mm -hmm. powerful in their own right as well. And it's not that actually. They, they, they go together, you know, completely. And, you know, with what you went through, I know your wife was extremely strong for you. You couldn't have done it without her. Too and bad. Uh, talk about that. Like, you know, so you're talking about masculinity, but then there's this other side uh, that you understand the power of very well because... Uh, you live with it every day and you experienced it. I wrote a song about it. Power, power of a woman is, is, you know, I believe in the power of a woman. Uh, the reason it's being attacked is because no matter what your religious background is or your thought, you know, I love Jesus. I, I'm a Christian believer. I believe in the Bible. I believe he rose. I believe he saved us. I, I'll say that here, but no matter what you believe, there, there is a battle. I think we can universally say there's a battle of good versus evil. Absolutely. There's always has it's clear been. as day. There always has been. And if you strip masculinity, or if you look through the histories of of the world, that that's 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 what starts going first. You start criticizing that that person. And there is definitely things where masculinity has been abused and, and women have been shunned and abused. But you see how we're having to go back and justify what we're saying because we're two masculine men sitting here. 
But I promise you, my wife, she by honoring my masculinity, by honoring me and me honoring her femininity and uh and us existing in the world together, it it one complements the other. Yeah. And it complements the the relationship is is passionate and it's sensual and it's it's the way it's supposed to be. And for me, it's biblical. You know, it's it it's it's all right there. It's all been played out uh, thousands and thousands of years. And you know, I believe history repeats itself. And I believe if you look at it, if you look at you know, great men, great women, great societies. You know, it's very obvious what's happening. Yeah, it's very obvious what's happening, and it's okay. I think for us sitting here in these leather chairs that smell good you know it's like i think it's these conversations that that just keep the peace keep it easy and and keep steady just keep going because i love this saying uh it's all going to be okay in the end Mm -hmm. so if it's not okay it's not the end there we go it's so good i love i don't know where i heard that or, or where that came from but i think just just give people the benefit of the doubt and start and and Lead with love. No, absolutely. Lead, lead with love. Well, and there's nothing toxic about that, you know? And if you think about, I agree 100%. It's good and evil, mm. you know? If they want to say toxic masculinity, those toxic traits, that's evil. Mm. I don't want to be that. Uh, you know, I want to be good. I want to, I want to be loved, those, those type of things. But, um, you know, I, I do feel like uh, the thought is if they break that down, it's easier for them to, to get control and for, you know, evil to reign. Mm-hmm. Because it takes men standing up against evil mm-hmm. uh, to stop it. I mean, that's the battle. That's the battle that we're in. Absolutely. Um, you're talking about uh, you know having two great parents, and uh, you know I also think a lot of what's going on in society right now is not having you know two parents in the home. You, know, you look at some some of the stuff that's going on in the black communities, fatherless homes. Mm-hmm. To me, is the biggest problem. Uh, you know, talk about the importance of, of being a father, being in your child's life. You got a 10 month old, uh, but, uh, you know, what it's meant for you and, um, you know, as a father and, and of course being raised by a good yeah. father. <clears throat> well, I'll go back to what the, the very first to approaching if, if the listener out there is hearing, uh, that, that they don't, maybe they grew up without a father. Mm-hmm. We'll go back to what I said like the challenges that you're facing give you the opportunity. Like some of the strongest men I know mm-hmm. are, were fatherless. Sure. Also some of the most incarcerated men I know <laughs> were fatherless, you know, and it doesn't define you. Right. None of this defines, you, you know, the, the victim mentality choose to flip it, whether it be a stroke, if it's a stroke, flip it and do the benefit for the brain. If it's a, you know, if it's a fatherless house, flip it and be the best father in the world mm. to, to the, to your sons or to your daughters. Absolutely. You know, show them the op, you know, show them what you want to want to see. And that, that is, that's biblical straight back. That's, that's just good period. Like be the person you want reciprocated back to you. Does that make sense? Like, absolutely. Like be the person, the golden rule. Like be the person you want people to be to you. Yeah. And um, 
I think uh, I'm spacing on your question here. Uh, yeah, it was it was about um, you, you know the you know what it means to you to be a father and and oh, yeah. and, and how it's how your father kind of helped you. Yeah, to do. Well, I'm kind of a nerd. Like I'm watching him learn mechanical stuff and like going through my left hand deficiencies. Like I literally had complete paralysis on my left side. So I'm watching him do the same thing that I did two years ago, mm. you know, and I'm watching him figure out his hands and I'm watching and, you know, I think, I think deep, like he, I think he's going to be left-handed. So I, it's funny that how the world works and energy works that he can be left-handed and I can lose my left hand. Well, he could be mm. my left hand. You know what I mean? He can be there my right hand. He can be my left hand. Anyway, I just think that stuff like that, is uh is interesting um but for me to look at him and look in his pupils and say and see and we we had to use uh we went six seven years of infertility i mean we we had to use ivf iuis ivf all kind of um ways and you know that was that was another tumultuous situation that we had to overcome and um i watched my wife speaking of a a, a badass powerful woman you know, overcome all of that, including diabetes, including an autoimmune disorder, including basically being paralyzed from her breast down right after she had ha had to help me wipe my ass, you know, mm -hmm. and get me back on my feet. I've watched her do that and then wake up and breastfeed this baby as a type one diabetic. That's a powerful woman, man. Yeah, buddy. And, and these women that are out there doing that alone, I mean, Props, more props, power, yeah. more power to them. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's what we have to. There's a reason that we are. I, me, and you are so blessed. We're, we're blessed just to be alive in 2023. I yeah. would be dead if I was born in, you know, 1973 as opposed sure. to 1983. Yeah, because the the the, uh, you know, what saved me was not it was a new technology you know being able to keep my brain from bleeding anymore and coagulate that blood flow into more extremities of my brain and, and making me a vegetable or, or or killing me you know that was um that was a bang bang thing that happened in you know 2021 yeah well let's uh, so we've kind of hit on a few times but let's go ahead and do a uh, talk about what happened to you because uh some of the people listening might not know um, so you were on stage, uh, what year was it? 2020? 2019. 2019. Yep. And, and had a stroke and, yeah. um, you know, you knew about it beforehand. Walk us through, you know, when you first found out about it and then how you kept, yeah. kept touring and there's like, you know, it's like a one to 2% chance, but, mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, of course you had the stroke. T take us through that whole experience. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the first of the year in 2019, we were setting up, we were touring with Zach Brown. Uh, we were about to go to Australia and, uh, it was just rocking. You know, we had a lot of good things going our way. We'd actually just been dropped, uh, from a record deal, but it was, it was kind of a good thing. Um, and we, I was, um, doing a class, I think it's called shed mm -hmm. class. Yep. Here in and, uh, yeah. And uh, just was getting after it. And that's something that I love to do. And, and I loved getting up really early and doing it. And um, they would have times. And if you want to get me, 
put a time up on, on a board mm. and I, I'll kill myself trying to beat the huh. time. Well, that's what I was doing. And I got, uh, and I had a lunch meeting at, uh, Ted's Montana grill, which I'll shout out to them. I love them. <laughs> uh, so I sat down and I feel a good. And about halfway through the meal, I get a, a headache and the headache, uh, puts me in an MRI, mm. uh, like excruciating, like can't see. So you were at the dinner. Did you have to like, uh, call an ambulance or was it no. just one of those? I just went home and went, went to bed. I, I skipped some of that, but like I went home and went to bed, um, slept through the night, uh, which was dangerous. Um, and it was a, it was a headache so bad that like light or anything, I could not stand up. I couldn't, my equilibrium was off, mm -hmm. uh, very, uh, very painful. Um, scale from one to 10, a 12, like mm -hmm. extremely painful headache, uh, migraine times 50. Mm -hmm. And, uh, went and got an MRI. The MRI showed a mass the size of a lime uh, right here uh, in the backside of my brain. And um, they were like, we're going to run some tests. We're not sure exactly what it is, um, but we'll get back with you. So I go home that day not knowing what that mass is. Mm -hmm. So talk about faith, talk about prayer, talk about getting in with your wife and, you know, your family, your mm -hmm. unit, and saying, hey, not sure what this is, but just your prayers are appreciated. And, um, you know, come to find out it's an AVM. It's an arterial venous malformation uh, that was in my brain, uh, formed in the embryonic stage of my life. And, and um, that I'd, in layman's terms, I'd worn the brakes off is what they said. <laughs> I was so active and sang so much because I performed kind of like you know, an Eddie Vedder is a very good analogy. Like I was very, I would push my veins would be popping mm. and my, my blood pressure would be way up. And I did it for years and then working out like that just wore the brakes off that, that thing, mm -hmm. uh, and caused that, uh, that headache. And a lot of times people just find, find folks in the backyard, you know, in their mid sixties, mid fifties. But very rarely, it, I was 35 years old, 36. Very rarely does it does it show signs. It's usually you just have a stroke. Mm -hmm. So very lucky that we found it. So we go to a doctor here in town whose name was Dr. Miracle, um, very world-renowned uh, doctor at handling AVMs. That's one of the things we got here in Nashville that we're unbelievably blessed to have. He said, okay, what we're going to have to do, this is one of the biggest ones, if not the biggest one I've ever worked on out of like 10,000. Wow. <laughs> so you, congratulations, you are uh, one in 17,000 people have an AVM. One in 32,000, and you may not quote me on this, but like one, like one in 32,000 have them in their brains. So um, we're going to run a catheter up your femoral artery and um, – Mind you, this is January 2019. Um, and we're going to run that catheter up your femoral artery into the back of your brain, and we're going to squeeze it full of this solvent called onyx. And that onyx, we have to do it gradually because the brain doesn't like sudden things, like big changes, it, but it can withstand small changes. So he scheduled, he said, I think I can do it in five, maybe six surgeries. Mm -hmm. So we start down this path and I said well can I play uh, can I can I play shows 
He said, well, we can possibly get these scheduled out on Mondays. You can rest Tuesday and Wednesday and then be probably good on a Thursday or Friday, mm -hmm. you know, to play. So that's what we did. So I, I'd heard all I wanted, you know, to hear, like, hey, I got green lit to, to go play my shows. And there was uh, blood pressure monitors and everything, and we, we start playing shows in, you know, January, February, March, April. It starts picking up. And the first ones were a little, you know, I kind of was very tender-footed and just kind of walked on eggshells and made sure everything was good. Um, but my confidence, you know, rose as we kept going, and I felt really good, you know. And um, so we got four embolizations in, and we were probably 50 or 60 shows in to the to the year. And in August, we set out to go to uh, Roanoke, Virginia uh, for the for our run of shows. That was our first show. And uh, we take the stage in Roanoke. It's about 95 degrees that evening, and it's probably 2,500 people there. Cotton candy skies, beautiful, you know, uh, Ferris wheels and funnel cakes type situation. And... Um, I felt good. I felt really good and uh, jumped on stage and got through about two or three songs. And um, <clears throat> I felt dizzy, like maybe maybe there was some like vertigo or something going on. And so I backed up and took a drink of water and took some deep breaths and uh, started into the next song. Um, and then my left arm, my left shoulder and left arm became very heavy. And like I, I remember, it felt like I had a bowling ball on my left foot, you know, and I and I did my jaw, kind of popped my jaw, and did like that. And when I turned my head, I heard a loud snap, mm. like big pop, like right here. Oh man! Behind, in my ear, my right ear. And when it when it did, when it, I, I couldn't remember the words. I was trying to get the words out, and my left side became very. Had, like it felt just like it, everything drooped down and and then a bunch of people caught like everybody it was a blessing that I was on stage because of EMT and everybody was watching me like hey something's not right so they grabbed me and Ed I was five minutes three minutes from a trauma one hospital mm. we were right down the road from a trauma they got me to a trauma one hospital within 15 minutes had professionals looking at me and because uh, we had all of the paperwork, my tour manager was like, this is what's happening. Yeah. He has an AVM. It's ruptured. You know, so they go straight to it. And they, all the paperwork um, that I was carrying around with me, they gave that to the EMT and ultimately the doctor and had Dr. Miracle on the phone within minutes. Mm. And uh, they saved my life, you know, and um, that's that's a very quick rendition of it there was things you know and you hear my spirituality coming out in just the way i've been talking in the first part of this interview because that was an that was a near-death experience it was an out-of-body i saw angels i saw things that that i can't explain and and um it the power of prayer and the power of that realm the holy kind of spiritual realm exists and it's as real as as us sitting here in these chairs you know and so that, in a nutshell, is what happened and what changed my life and um, why I have a pretty sick little limp coming <laughs> in here. Well, so, so tell, uh, tell us, um, 
you know, were you conscious while this was going on? Did you know what was going on or were you in like a coma in the hospital? Um, I knew what was going on. I could, they, they didn't want to give me any, um, pain medication because they wanted to make sure that my, I was not brain dead. They wanted to make sure I was responding. And, and so the doctors would ask me questions. Where are you at? You know, what is your name? You know, what's your wife's name? You know, that was constant for two, like two, three, four, five, six hours. And it got very, the pain got so bad that I started kind of passing out and then coming mm. back to, because we're talking about a level of pain in your head that would, it made your, my nervous system felt like a shock was going through my mm. whole fingertips and toes. Like it was, it was like a lightning bolts wow. hitting in. So I would throw up and just be, you know, and what they were doing is getting that to quit bleeding. Mm. They, they coagulated that blood that, you know, the, the, the AVM burst mm -hmm. and it was every time my heart was beating, it was psst, mm. psst, and blood was coming on the, uh, the tissue of my brain. Mm -hmm. And that's what damages, that's what damaged the mobile cortex to my left side ultimately. But they were, they were trying to make sure I was cognitive and make sure they, they were trying to make a decision if they were going to put a port in or not, which they didn't, thank God, because when they open your brain up, that's a whole nother bag of worms. Sure. Uh, no pun intended. It's like, it's just, it's, there's so many blessings that happened and so many people that, um, that kind of came to my rescue right there really quickly after it happened. So um, very cognitive, very aware of what was going on. Uh, Alex was seven hours away. Mm. She was here in Nashville, literally didn't pack a bag, didn't anything, just took off to Roanoke because she knew exactly what had happened. And I'll tell everybody out here too, that there was a 2% chance of what happened happening. Yeah, Like it was a very, very low chance. I sing so hard and the way my my style of singing is i push through my diaphragm with like air with tons of air and i mean it, it's a lot of pressure in your head and and uh a lot of pressure to all all, all parts you know of your brain and your blood pressure mm -hmm. so that's ultimately what caused it and um yeah it's it a full-on you know it gave me equivalent to a hemorrhagic stroke paralyzing my left side and uh, I woke up in the hospital uh, there in Roanoke, uh, stayed there for about two weeks and, and couldn't move my hands, couldn't move my left foot, couldn't move anything for about a week and a half, two weeks. So you were conscious. What's going on in your head? I mean, were you afraid? Were you praying? Were you, yeah. what was, what was going on? Mm. That's a, that's a great question. Um, um, I was, I go I have a fighting mechanism that like um, if, if I'm about to heart, like if I'm in a situation, like I, I, I sang the national anthem before the bears and the Packers one night. There was like 90,000 people and I don't get nervous singing, but I was nervous. Sure. <laughs> and I had this uh, kind of this breathing thing. It's kind of like box breathing, but like I'll breathe and I'm basically talking to, uh, I'm talking to to God, I'm talking to, like saying, hey, calm me down. You know, this is what I'm made to do. This is what I'm born to do. Like, as long as I'm breathing, I'm alive and I'm thankful. As long as I'm breathing, I'm alive and I'm thankful. As long as I'm breathing, mm. I'm alive. You know, so that's all I did for probably two days, mm. you know, is 
is concentrate on taking a breath and filling my lungs full of air and mm. pushing it out and then going, thank you for that breath. Thank you for wow. the next one. Thank you for the next. So that's what I do when I get real pissed off now and you can hear it in my throat, right? Like it, it's, it's, uh, emotional because it's a superpower. Yeah. If you can do that, you know? So, you know, people, people take for granted that, that we, that we have it, mm-hmm. that we have the breath that we push it out. So when you get mad that, a record deal gets dropped or you get mad that, you know, your show doesn't sell out. Well, thank you for that breath. Mm. Thank you for this. And that's, that's the big change that happened, you know, and what I will, what I'll pass down to Hawk, you know, my son is like, you know, be thankful for that breath because you're not, you're not guaranteed that breath. That's right. That, that's why I would do it again. I would totally go through that stroke again to to have this perspective sitting here and to have <clears throat> have that wisdom to pass on to to him shoot bring it on i was built for it so that's beautiful man yeah i mean so that's you know it's an interesting thing to come to you you know at that moment um because there's a you know i know you and i could imagine you're like laser focused Mm. you know um and i'm gonna focus i'm gonna be grateful for my breath i'm gonna talk to my god we're gonna have you know the ultimate connection that god really wants yeah that's it yep and uh it's it's great that you went to that because um you know i think that's that's what god wants us to do when we're going through Mm -hmm. those times lean on him Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, as the days were going on, though, you know, when was the first time that you saw your wife or, or mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know if you could, you see, uh, or yeah. uh, it was, it was extremely blurry. Um, but I saw her seven hours, eight hours after she said she drove like nine, my, my wife, my wife, just, this is going to be funny, but like my wife's the type of person that one day she came into me and, and she's like, does this, does this outfit look slutty? And I was like, honey, you have a turtleneck on. <laughs> like she's a kindergarten teacher. This girl is so square. She, she's pointy. And it's like, uh, she drove like very fast, you know, to, to get there. And it's funny, but I, I, my, my vision was blurry, but I felt, when she got there, mm. like I didn't necessarily know, but once she got there, <clears throat> I knew that I had survived. I knew that mm. like, I really did. Like I survived after that. Now the battle can ensue. Like, and we fought a bunch of battles like, and we still do today, but I survived that, that the initial attack. And, um, so that was that was probably about a week or two um a week or two deal but i do want to mention this um and it's a so when i was in the emergency room and uh, i was going through and they they couldn't give me the the pain medication yet um 
I noticed, I felt this really calm peace. There was an extremely, I, I was not scared at all. The whole time, the whole time, I was just like, keep breathing, keep going. You're going through this, just keep, keep, keep powering through. And there was security guards, what I thought was security guards in the corners of the room. The, 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 the rock star mentality is strong. Right? I, I'm not sure why I thought there was security guards, but it was like, oh, they got security guards in the hospital. I must be, you know. And it was three very confident, like Troy, like Brad Pitt and Troy. I couldn't really see them because it was blurry, but I just remember them being very tall, very built, and very confident. Mm -hmm. And and their heads never stopped doing this. Like, and they were watching me. And what that was was Alex had prayed for angels to surround the room, mm -hmm. and we didn't know. I didn't, I told her this. Uh, we were watching the uh, the supermoon uh, after we got back to Nashville from the from my east side of my house, like looking east. <clears throat> and uh, we saw a cloud that looked like the Archangel Michael, like that you see in, in stories. And uh, I said, man, that looks just like, and Alex, we said at the same time, that looks just like an angel. And I told her this story. I, I said, hey, these security guards in the corner of the room, tell me about, you know, that, were there security guards there? And Alex was like, no. So we have this, 30 minute long conversation of like Alex praying for these angels to surround the room and they were there mm. like they were there with armor you mm. know I remember them having armor and like swords I don't remember the swords but <laughs> like I could it was that type of palpability yeah. to it <clears throat> and that's how real that is yeah, that's absolutely. how real energy is that's how real prayer is and I and I can't. <clears throat> that's uh, that's me sitting here, and you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I believe in miracles. I believe that was a miracle that day that helped, and I believe that the power of asking with authority, because mm. she said she asked with authority. You know, I need you. We've got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff that he's going to do. And by the way, the the benefit for the brain was the first. I kind of said to the whole, to God and everything else, if you give me the opportunity to get out of this, I'm going to flip it. And I promise you that. And so benefit for the brain was a full, it was like a prophecy being fulfilled, like of like, all right, that, that idea was planted in inside of me when I was still paralyzed, like playing in front of the Ryman. So that night <laughs> playing at the Ryman, and, you know, being up there, that was a full circle, full circle thing. Um, but, man, angels angels are real. Prayers are real. Miracles are real. And people, you know, people praying is real. You know? <clears throat> no, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, I can think of a number of times in my life where, I mean, I you know, I got arrested 20 something years ago mm -hmm. and I'm going to start crying. Talk about the story. I, I, I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever told this publicly. Um, but, uh, when I got arrested, uh, my dad, 
I mean, my dad was, he, he's a wonderful man, but he was you know, pretty hard on me. You know, mm-hmm. just, he would always, he was, he was, he was a good dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was going through a lot. I was on a lot of drugs and it was not like an addict, but just partying, yeah. you know? And, uh, so when I got arrested, um, it was kind of a shocker to everybody, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, I was, I was in the jail. I had to call my parents, mm. you know, I'm facing 15 years in prison. Wow. And so my dad, uh, he's going to get me out and I open the door and he's like bawling, crying mm-hmm. across the glass, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, <clears throat> I had planned on going to shoot myself mm. afterwards. I was like, it's over. I'm going to end it. It was like losing my mind. And, uh, you know, he ended up, uh, instead of being extremely hard on me at the time, he was, <clears throat> after he got himself together, bailed me out, was taking me home. Mm. He was the, the perfect person mm. that I needed at the time, the perfect dad I needed at the time. And he later said he prayed to be that for me at the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, at that point, I really turned to God and focused on prayer mm-hmm. and focused on, you know, just leaning on him to get me through it, to not mm. go away for 15 years, yeah. to, uh, you know, really, you know, uh, I didn't have any really uh, say in what happened to me. It was up to the judge. Mm-hmm. It was up to the DA, you know, if they would have taken my case federal, I was facing 15 years. My parents mortgaged their house mm-hmm. to give a donation to the drug task force to keep it from going federal. And I, I agreed to an eight year sentence at 35% with a sentencing hearing <clears throat> and serious stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. And so the judge could have given me eight years to serve or no time with eight years probation. And, um, I think the judge looking back, I think the, the prayers were answered because he gave me the perfect amount of time. Mm-hmm. I got eight months to serve eight years probation I got out a little shorter because of good time and those type of things. It taught me to fight. I appealed it to the Supreme Court, you know, uh, and I was guilty, but I, I needed time to build my companies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, took two years. So I was building my martial arts gym. I started gameness all in between all this going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I really just relied on that, that prayer and, and faith. And mm-hmm. um, I think in a way too, I wouldn't be here, you know, if it weren't for that. I don't have those thoughts anymore. It's crazy how when things are just cut out from you, all of a sudden, I was 19 years old, just turned 20 years old. Yeah. But, um, you know, from then on, man, I, I, I pray probably, I don't know. I don't know what the average is, but at least five times a day, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a major part of, part of my life. So when I hear that story and then I heard the, the Archangel Michael, crazy story. We're on uh, our producer over here. Um, we had flew in uh, Arthur Kwan Lee. He's an artist, did the podcast. And he's a great artist. And before the pod, I wasn't even familiar with Archangel Michael, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Warren hands me a card of Archangel Michael, uh, a painting, you know, the, of a, you know, a card of the, the, the painting of him with his like dagger on the devil. Yep. Yep. 30 minutes later, Arthur Kwan Lee walks in with a gift. Uh, in wrapping paper, I open it up. It's a painting 
of the exact same nice card that Warren gave me. So, um, you know, and now when I pray, I thank God for just showing me that I'm protected in that way. Uh, cause I know well, that's that, like, there can be nothing else in a sign within yeah. 30 minutes of, of this, uh, archangel that I hadn't really heard of. It's more of a, of a Catholic thing generally. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I just share that with you cause um, I, I feel connected with, with that. You know, that, and that's God. Like I, I have, I, I'm in the entertainment business. I see, I know all kind of people. I love red, yellow, black, and white, gay, straight, everywhere in between, all kinds of agnostic, and have, and I love them all. I really do. I, I, I really, and there is room, there is understanding about what we're talking about. If he is the body, and I, I heard this analogy. Um, if we are the body of Christ and the understanding of him and his power, then he is the every ocean, every single body of water on earth, we are but a drop of understanding yeah. of what he is capable of. And when you go through a near-death experience, when you're going through a jail cell and watching a parent that cares for you break down Whatever it is, it could be a 16-year-old that's just lost his car keys to his Rolls Royce. I mean, <laughs> it's it's all perspective, right? Um, but there is there is a realness to the energy. Um, you know, that's why I, I've never in my life said I was broke, ever. No matter if I was or not, like, never will. I've never said I was fat. I've never said I was, you know, never will. Never said that, you know... Because that energy, just saying it, mm. that's why they call it spelling. Mm. Because that that that's a spell you're putting on, you know. Yeah. And I know I'm speaking a lot of that, that. That's a pagan type of word and into voodoo, like. But it's like it's all the same. It's all the same to me. Like that stuff is so real, and tapping into it is a is is something that when you face the valley of the shadow of death, when you, when you literally stand up against it, what are you going to do? And I, and I ask a lot of my, uh, you know, I've got a lot of theologian friends as you might expect. Uh, and we sit here and drink coffee and tequila and not together, but coffee <laughs> or tequila. And, and I like tequila in my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we sit there and talk about stuff like this. And I think questioning, questioning it, questioning it, is what is going is what helps us through life. Like questioning, question the 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 Bible, question the Quran, question all this stuff. Like question it, you know. Shoot holes all in it because it is that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That's what you did uh, in mastering martial arts. That's what I've done uh, in trying to master martial sure. arts. You know, it's what I've done in trying to master uh, being a showman, being you know, looking at, you know, different ways is I, I'm shooting holes in things, trying to figure out there's no right or wrong way to go about this thing, but our understanding of his, of, of the, of the spiritual realm mm. is a drop of water in a whole ocean of knowledge. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's crazy. It is. It is. And, um, you know, I talked about this on another podcast, but you know, uh, Joe Rogan's an old friend, and he did yeah. this uh, skit, this Noah's Ark skit. It was really funny. Um, 
And I think I've heard it. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it made me question. This is probably 20 years ago. I don't mm-hmm. know. I was probably 22 or so. And, um, made me question, you know, Christianity and, mm-hmm. and I always prayed, but I also, it also brought me to a point where, um, I didn't want to talk about it because I, I didn't understand how to debate that. He was making really good points. And, you know, what it kind of brought me to was though that I, I don't need to understand everything. I'm not going to understand everything. I just need to have faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've really, uh, you know, kind of relied on that, mm-hmm. you know, since that in those, in those things that we don't exactly understand, you know, that, that faith is, is what's important. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I can't imagine going through life now without prayer and without, you know, focus on that. And, you know, even you're talking about the spell thing, um, you know, we are, uh, what we think we are, Absolutely. you know, we have to be careful what we say. The reason you're not saying, I, I mess with myself and I say I'm fat, but you're probably right. You got to be careful what you, what you say to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, our words are so important because they do in a way cast spells or, you know, manifest those specific, uh, things that we, that we say. Exactly. And you know, we all we all want to be the laid back cool guy, don't we? Like, <laughs> and I and I and I am. I feel like I am. Like, but there's this thing in your head that goes, oh, don't 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 point out like, because I'll stop Alex sometimes and be Alex will be like, ah, oh, this this makes me look this way or this makes, me, hey, hey, don't say that, don't say that, and then I'll, I'll kind of get and she, she'll be like, oh, Drake, I'm just kidding, like, but yeah, but don't say that, and she's like, oh, don't go deep on this yeah. and, and say. So there is there is balance, sure, absolutely. but I do believe in it thoroughly. In going through this, I have learned that man, I just turned forty. My dad just came in. We just went on this epic duck hunting trip. He's sixty eight, sixty nine today, and I'm watching this guy that's always been suntan hands and Ray Bans and and you know driving Thunderbirds and just a cool dude, ski boats and slalom skiing and just, you know, jumping off the deep, the high dive, stuff like that. Watching turn 69 gracefully and and do it in a way. And I'm looking at it, it, like how our culture of has been, has Americanized Christianity has, it's just man's attempt and it's evil's attempt to try to diminish it. Like, and it's okay that if you don't believe it, I, I'm listening in my head. I'm listening. I've got a lot of logic. I call them logic bullies. My <laughs> buddies that are logical guys, they're that are realistic guys. By mm. the way, I, I battle that with the realistic. Like the worst thing you can tell me is be realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Be realistic. Yeah. I'm from a little bitty town. I'm I'm a country music star. Uh, I'm the like, most unrealistic person I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, you kidding yeah, me? Yeah. Like, I, I shouldn't even be here. You can't. But I don't care if you don't believe or don't align or think. Like, I, we get in the argument a lot. Of, you're you're going to talk about a 2,500-year-old document, you know, that's been spanned, blah, 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 blah. You're going to talk. And, we, dude, we get into it. And mm. as a band, man, <laughs> we have some bus rides that are, you know, from here to California that we talk about stuff like that. And... You know, at the end of the day, I'm not the person that's like, well, I just have faith. I don't know. I don't know. I just have faith. I do, and you're really good at this. I've watched you do your research. Like, 
and I'm going to encourage my kid to do this. Like if you want to know about a, a 302 coyote motor, mm-hmm. then read about it. Mm-hmm. That might've been a bad example, but like read about it and understand the combustion, understand sure. what's going on in the engine. And then you can talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you want to know, if you want to have a, uh, a philosophical conversation about the word and about the Bible, then, then know it, know it, know it enough to like, I'm not saying you have to be a preacher or mm-hmm. be a, be a, uh, you know, a, a scholar mm-hmm. at it, but like it is the, for me in all the, it is the living word. It, it lives and it moves and it, and it bends. It's, it's, it has a superpower to it. Mm-hmm. It has a magic to it. It has a, a mysticism to it that is that I can't explain and you can't explain. But all I'm saying is coming through that, you know, as a musician that that's three chords in the truth and believes that how simple things are, you know, that is not so simple, but it is one of those things that I'm open to discussing. Sure. I'm open to, I always say like, I'm open to a lot of things. I'm open to most things. Yeah. If, if you want to discuss them. So, you know, I I like having the conversation. Yeah, and and for me, <clears throat> something I don't like having it. Uh, it's it's that there's a lot of things I just don't know. Yep. And that's when I just have to have faith when some of it doesn't make sense. Like you look like uh, the Beatitudes and talking about chopping their hands off, and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah. Uh, we can't chop everybody's hand off here, and. Um, you know, there, there, there's certain things that I just can't explain. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's just relying on that, mm-hmm. on that faith. But, you know, you are right in the sense that I do need to dig in and do more research. I've relied on my relationship mm-hmm. with God, per se, and my prayers and, and those type of things without really reading the Bible a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up going to church as a kid. Uh, Church Christ, yeah. which uh, it's a pretty strict version of of Christianity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and for uh, sure. but um, you know, it probably is about time to start start going back a little bit and digging yeah. in. Yeah, it, it it I highly recommend it. I mean, it like I said, I didn't do I, I'm I, I didn't mean it, it's it's what my authentic self alludes to in conversations like this where we're we're, we're sitting and, and have a minute to talk that's not just passing by mm-hmm. because of, you know, the way my life has, has went. And and I wouldn't consider myself a just an overly religious person, but I am a religious person. Uh, Laganus uh, uh, is the root word of religion, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's Latin for together, uh, together, together. So re just means again. So mm-hmm. as far as Laganus together together and re meaning again, like that's what I do every night playing shows. Right. So it, it is a bit of a religious experience to come to one of our shows. Like, and I, and I that can't be taken out of context. I understand how it could be, but like, if somebody wants to take it out of context, go ahead. I don't <laughs> care. But it is sometimes when people come in, they're looking for something at a show. Mm. When you come into our shows and I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I guess pitch one of our pitch a show here. When you come into one of our shows, man, you're gonna get an authentic, spontaneous show of the what what spirit is in that room, what what feeling that I'm feeling at that time, no matter what what time what things happening as this election comes up or what could have happened in the city that I'm in or the history, you know, that, that surrounds the venue that I'm in, or I could have just had a bad day in the gym that day, Mm -hmm. or Alex could have called me, you know, and said the baby was sick right before the show. And you get a more docile, low, you know, low energy show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that show is a culmination of, of proximity back to that word mm-hmm. of a bunch of people gathering together and putting their en- energies together and people go to shows or I do, I go to shows to get, what are you getting out of this show? And I pray every, before every show we say, we, uh, what do we say? We say, uh, we are magnets for all things good. We do not chase. We attract love comes to us easy. And what is meant to find us will simply find us. Hmm. That's energy, man. I'm de- I'm I'm declaring that off the bat that this is what we're going to put out. We're putting this out, and if somebody is hurting or about to, you know, suicidal thoughts, if we save one person in this whole career, then that yeah. may be that. That's how. Back to the drop in the water analogy of the of the understanding that may be why God made me a musician because I, I saved that one person that is going to carry his name or carry you know something further or build something like we're just a piece of the puzzle and it's not we're not that it's not that big of a deal most of the like. You're like, it's just so quick. It's yeah. so quick and it can be gone. And so that breath back to that breath, I'm thankful for that breath. I'm driven as the snow, man. And I'm competitive. If like, like you told me that I saw that pool out there. <laughs> if you told me we we're going to race, I'd race you with this right side <laughs> as fast as I could. And I'd drown trying to win because that's just who I am. But I'm thankful for the breath. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's beautiful, man. That is beautiful. And, um, you know, going through going through a situation like that i could my first thought is yeah what is what especially if you're conscious what is going through your mind and um it's uh it's fascinating that's what mm-hmm. that's what you were doing because you're doing self-talk you're you're praying you were In, incantations uh, yeah yeah that's that's incredible um so after that after you knew that you were going to live mm-hmm. uh well you know uh from from the injury uh, you were paralyzed, man. You were, uh, you know, it was questionable whether you'd be able to walk, whether you'd be able to do a lot of things. Yep. What was that like? Did you, what, what was your mindset like, uh, you know, when, when you were kind of out of the dangers of the immediate danger zone, but you're left with this new, this new life? Yeah. Great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, those, you know when you're kind of asleep and you're, but you're not asleep, and you can kind of hear the TV. Um, last night it was like a, everybody loves Raymond. You know that show. Like mm-hmm. I, I was almost asleep, and I was just sitting there. And I don't sleep to the TV, but I was. This was like nine o'clock, and I'm sitting there, and and, and I could hear the doctor saying, 
not last night, like during during the battle. You know, I'm not sure about we're we're not going to put a stand in. We're not going to put a, a port in because we want to protect this. We're, we we want to protect his ability to walk. We want to make sure we're not sure. And what I did is I banked those into even though the like the doctor's saying he may never walk again. Mm-hmm. Watch me. You know, he may never perform again. Watch me. I banked those into like my personality into competitiveness, you know, mm-hmm. watch this. Like Nashville, everybody says it's a brutal industry. It's not brutal if you've taught yourself to walk again at 35 perspective shift. Mm-hmm. Like now I can go have the authority to go help somebody else that's getting through a stroke, that's learning how to get through this crazy thing. And who are you Drake to say, come in here, you know, I'm, I'm paralyzed for the rest of my life, neck down. Well, I am somebody with authority now because I've been through it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I came out, you know, very lucky. And I understand that. But like those, those things, that time, what you're asking, I used them and I banked them into using them for power when I needed them. Like I have to prove these people wrong. Mm-hmm. I have to, because it, it just, it, I just separated them into this is going, this is who I want to be. And this is who, and now that I have a son, this is who I want him to see as an example. And so now it's just making the decisions and the discipline is like, I've been going to therapy at, you know, resilient down in, in Brentwood for four years. I go every Monday, every Wednesday, two hours a day. Uh, shout out to Dr. Griff out there. I love him. And, uh, it's, I would, I, I went in a snowstorm last year when the snowstorm was going and I drove and he met me there because there's, I do not waver on that, those meetings, Monday mm-hmm. and Wednesday. And Hawk, my son is a big, a big advocate of that. Like I got to do it for him. If, if you, if, when I'm feeling weak, I got to do it for Alex. When me and Alex both are feeling weak, I got to do it for Hawk. Uh, and because he said I wasn't going to walk again, but now I'm going to, now I'm going to pack out Madison square garden. Yeah. You know, now I'm going to, you know, I did the benefit for the brain, you know, now I'm going to do this and it's not for fame. It's not for me. It's for the platform. Cause I know what I'm going to do with the platform and I'm going to exalt his name and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to help a lot of people, you know, like, like we've just done, you know, with benefit for the brain, you know, being able to go and have y'all part of it and raising 250 grand. That's great. That makes me feel great. But I have so much bigger aspirations for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and helping people just like you watch coming down to Chepsa down there and watching, you know, the folks walk out of there or, you know, that have RA or something, the rheumatoid arthritis guy that I watched, you know, walk in limping and then come out, you know, it's, it's amazing. So your, your purpose is bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's the fulfilling stuff. So you took somebody that's that's serving eight years in prison, that's a druggie that could have told himself, oh, you're a drug addict, you'll never do anything again, but be a drug addict, you're a piece of shit. And probably so many people tried to strip you of your legitimacy because oh, yeah. of that. Well, bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. I know my heart and I know what I'm capable of. And and that's uh that's that's what stuff like this does. And uh back to the the thing of you can't wish for an easy life and 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 a uh 
strong character. They, yeah. they don't, they don't coexist. Well, it's so interesting that, you know, the, the, the circumstances in our life really, really mold us. And you know, it's kind of like we were talking about the very beginning, um, you know, glass half empty or half full per se, mm-hmm. you know, um, are we going to be victims to our circumstances or are we going to, uh, you know, gain the power over it, be personally mm-hmm. responsible ultimately for how our life is, is moving forward. And, you know, that is what builds character, mm-hmm. you know, overcoming adversity. I'm so grateful for everything that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am so glad I got arrested. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Um, I mean, we've had a, you know, 2008 real estate market crashed, uh, had to overcome a lot with that. I mean, there's been, as an entrepreneur, you have adversity after adversity after adversity. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of forget about them, honestly. <laughs> but yeah. I'm grateful for all of them because I know that every time they're going to make me stronger. I'm going to learn mm-hmm. lessons from them. And eventually I'll be able to pass it down to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, these are the lessons that I've learned. And hopefully mm-hmm. then, of course, your kids grow up to uh, live an even better life than than you did. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the hope. Um, so, yeah, these... You know, those that are just wishing for an easy life, um, you know, not going to say they won't have any character, but, you know, it's, uh, those hard times are really what, what built character. Mm-hmm. You look at someone who moved to America, for instance, uh, immigrants are much more likely uh, to be millionaires than someone who was born here. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they have seen the American American dream, they sacrificed most likely to get over here. Mm-hmm. They understand that there's opportunity and there's not all these things in their way. Yeah. And um, risk reward, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you know, fortunately, we live in a country that there is. It, it, it's never been an easier time to be successful in America right now. I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, agree. it's never been easier. You have a bunch of people uh, right now that aren't wanting to work hard and that are, you know, making excuses for everything and being victims to their circumstances and. You know, for guys like us and 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 uh, men who want to step up and fight and drive and not make lead. excuses and lead, yes, and women for that matter too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never been an easier time to be successful in this country. Absolutely, and I, and I'll say too to all of this that what like call it sunshine and rainbows. Like that that's me. Like I, I I'm going to you can call me sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. All right, sunshine. But it's like. <laughs> I battle it. I battle like my wife would be like, "Oh no, you should have seen him two two mornings ago." Mm-hmm. Like when he couldn't, you know, was me- my hand was messed up or I couldn't mm-hmm. tie my shoe and I threw I threw a phone through a you know a glass. Sure, there are breakdowns. There are th- like I battle every day. You know, I battle every day with the thoughts that of a pessimist. Mm-hmm. But I I never give it ownership i mm. never let the pessimistic win I, I can't say never sometimes i'll do very rarely does it win two days in a row yeah very rarely does it win multiple times in a row you know and i think health a lot of that is health I, I love you know having a drink i love having a cigar i love uh the whole uh tony robbins world i love the whole goggins world the whole cam haynes world I love all that stuff, but at the end of the day, and all that in the Rogans and the information is there, the inf- all the information is there. But like when you get down to Drake White, like what do you want? How do you feel? What do you feel about you know 
these things that we've been talking about, the 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 real things in, on on earth. What do you feel about this uh, this election coming up? What do you feel about the Bible? What do you feel about the way a man should treat a woman, the way a woman should treat a man? Like, figure that out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, and and use the people around you, sure. But there's so much information out there. Like, we have to. For me, I always, when faced with adversity or faced with a, a decision I have to make, I always pray about it, ask for discernment, talk to my wife about it, then I sleep. I usually eat a good meal <laughs> or sleep, eat a good meal, and then I wake up and make a decision. If I feel strongly, I make the decision. I, even if I don't feel strongly one way or the other, it's like, you know which way you're leaning. Sure. And, if, and make decisions. For me, I, I've learned how to make decisions, you know, not quicker, but quicker. Like, make decisions. Sure. Be a man, be a woman that makes decisions, that, that goes out there and stands on them. Yeah. And if you're wrong, then then pivot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's there's so much information out there. And, and I my point in going all the way around that was, I have negative thoughts just like everybody does. Sure. And when you see me in camera, when you see me on stage, yes, there is some sunshine and rainbows, <laughs> but there's a reality, dude. There's sometimes where I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I can't, of course. I can't, I can't deal mm -hmm. with some of the stuff that's going on, but it's the best time ever to be alive. We're not, we're not dodging arrows, bullets. We're no, not, we're not hungry. Know, we're not hungry. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, and that can change. Absolutely. It can change very quickly. Yeah. So I'm thankful. Now, I, I think that most people um, that are, are successful are, are like that. You know, it, it isn't all sunshine. And we do go through our own thoughts and our own, call it insecurities and those type of things. But uh, it's, it's how we take those and flip them mm. that, you know, determines our ultimate success and determines how we are to people. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think about, you know, who do I need to be for this person at the moment? So, you know, we have a lot of employees and, um, I treat employees different each person. Mm -hmm. It's like, who do they need me to be in the moment, you know, to, to be the best uh, for them that, that I can be. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that in life. And of course we, we all fall short, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it, it is easy, um, for some people to, to allow those negative thoughts to come in to really bring them down. And, you know, it's, um, it takes practice too. So it's not something that necessarily you can just one day, all of a sudden you're able to yeah, flip these things. I agree. But, um, it sounds like you practice it kind of on a, on a daily basis. Whew, well, brother, the, the music industry, man, I mean, it is, you can go down that rabbit hole of that. Some bitch don't like me and I don't like her. And he, he's got this and about pretty soon they're trying to, sabotage my, my my life and sabotage now they're stealing my money now now is he looking at my wife and by the way does he like my shoes or my shoes the wrong color <laughs> do they like what what like yeah. i'm just trying to write songs man i mean like i've poured concrete i've framed houses i mowed grass um and i love i love mowing grass i still love mowing grass to this day because <laughs> you can see the lines <laughs> there's a thought like you can see the lines in the yard, you know, you can't creatively, like you can't see the lines in the yard. And a lot of times you have to go 
mm, this don't this don't feel quite right. I, I know he's the big thing or she's the big thing, and I need to get met. But it, that is what I'm talking about. That's God mm-hmm. for me. That's God, and you know, being a fisherman, like the wind blowing my my face to the right to look over and see a trout. That's God. Like I know that that's a that's that's pretty far cast. No, no, like, but it's like, oh, I'm trout fishing. Listen to the wind. Listen to what you're what you're trying to do, and that's never steered me wrong. You know, and you know. How we met is another is another just completely a God thing, you know. For me, you know, a good friend of ours randomly after church one day we're at a Mexican restaurant here in town, and and I start talking about not being able to really move my hand like I want to move it and do this, and I'm interested in this thing that I heard Mel Gibson talking about and this and that, and she's like, "Oh, I got a friend that does that." I'm like, "Oh, cool. I, I've heard about all the." Stuff in America, like it's not, you know, I'm thinking about going to Panama. No, 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 you need to reach out. I reach out to that, like two days later, three days later, I'm talking to you and it, it's just getting hooked up and we, we just go do it. And now we're sitting here like that is, that's energy. That's mm-hmm. because I put it out there. And dude, we, how, how we can get on these cell phones and call New Zealand right now. I mean, that's. That's crazy to me. And so thoughts, thoughts have have the energy to, to turn into stuff. And then and we all have negative thoughts. It's 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 what you do with them. Uh and it is practice. It takes tons of practice. I've had I've had more negative thoughts than positive probably in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's what, what I do with them. Um it's what I do with them that I'm that I'm that I'm talking about right now, that I'm proud of, that I'm, that I want to be known for. Like, I, well, he he used his challenges for good, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, <clears throat> I hear you. Uh, you talk about Alex a lot, mm-hmm. you know. And as you're going through this, you know, uh, the stroke, and you know, even you know, since, um, how has she kind of kept you on, on point with that with that positivity? Yeah. Well, when she needed me, I was there. When I needed her, she was there. Like because there are times where she's had breakdowns, and I've been strong. I've been the one. And there's been times where she, I had breakdowns, and she she brought me up. And I, that's what marriage is, you know. That's what. And there's been times where you know, I just needed her to listen, and she was just there to listen. And there was the times where she dug her feet in, and was like. You're an idiot. <laughs> That's not true. You just made every bit of that up. <laughs> oh, what? Did I? Yeah. Yeah. This is, you just made every, by the way, we do that a lot. We make stuff up. Yeah. Like, and if you do not have that person, that, those people, that's why proximity is power to go, no, Ed, that's not, that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Like, no, or no, you're spot on here. You're spot on here, and it's it's, and it's people that have your best interest in mind. And my like, Alex, the reason you hear me talk about her so much is because she's my soulmate. Like she is the person that literally taught me how to walk again. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that there's a love there. There's a romance there, of course, 
But like, and I'll say this, and dude, we argued right before I got here, like about something like, I can't read your mind, woman. We still have the same conversations, but don't let America and Hollywood and New York Americanize marriage. It took me six years to get marriage, but to get married, eight years to get married, six, seven years, because I was afraid because just wait till you get married. You'll never get laid again. Just wait till you get married. She'll, she'll. You know, she'll sew that thing up, whatever it is. I know that was a little, but it's like none of it's true. The secret is not going mainstream because it's mainstream. Go mainstream because it's, it's the only mainstream is the stream of blood in you. Like that's, that's what I always go to. So marriage has been the best thing in the world. And to have that person, that, that true ride or die person, that it doesn't matter if you're paralyzed and with a catheter, you know, with a with a clot, with a bag on you, mm-hmm. she's going to say, "We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this." And like, you know, my, my hand wouldn't work. Just keep trying. I, I don't want to. It hurts. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep. She did it every day. And two weeks later, you know, we watched that finger go doom and then started creating neuro passageways and one led to another. And I've still got, you know, plenty more to go, but she's there to go. Keep going, mm-hmm. keep going, keep going. Um, man, I just feel like my window of opportunities stop. And I feel like being 40 that, that, you know, I'm, I'm too old. Don't say that. Like, then she's there. I don't say that openly because mm-hmm. I, I, you, I really practice what I, what I'm saying, but like when I start him hawing around and feeling sorry, she looks at me and she says, you remember that you were in a hospital bed four years ago. Mm-hmm. Like you remember she, she remind that's what good, that's what a good marriage is. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what a good marriage is. But she's a pain in the ass sometimes too, <laughs> you know, and I am too. I'm a pain in the ass too, you know? So it, it goes both ways. I don't think God is so much concerned about your happiness in marriage mm-hmm. is a mu- as much as the commitment, mm-hmm. the covenant. We get caught up in if we're happy. Well, we we just quit being happy. We can't make each other happy. Well, I don't think they're like. And no, no offense to people that have been divorced. Alex has been married once prior, and uh, so I have no like. I get it. Divorce is sometimes the only way, but like it's like. I don't think he's as concerned about your happiness as he is about keeping the covenant that you made in front of him and that you like, that's different. That's different in 2023, you know, to, to speak like that and to, to talk like that is is something with, with, with conviction. You know, it's, I believe that I believe that people, my parents that have been married 47 years, Alex's parents have been married 40 years. You know, it's, I've watched them hate each other, <laughs> not literally, but I've watched them, you know, I've watched them fight like cats and dogs, but there was a, there was always an understanding that it's, we're always going to be here. Yeah. No matter what. And I think when you battle through that and I'm, we've only been married 10 years and dude, like I said, we, we've had tough times recently. We've had tough times. Having a kid's tough. Having an eight, 10 month old is tough. The first Christmas is tough. Going to our parents, it's tough. Like, 
trying to understand the dichotomy of a, of a woman and a man, Venus and Mars, that's, that shit's tough. And, dude, I don't think he's concerned about your happiness. I think he's concerned about the man or the woman that it's going to make you by, by sacrificing for their needs or your needs or back and forth. And then sometimes standing and go, nope, I'm not sacrificing that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going, I'm doing that because that's what I need right now. And then every now and then sacrifice going, no, I have to sacrifice that because I can feel, can feel her pulling away. As long as one of you is fighting, mm-hmm. then the marriage is good. If both of you give up, that's when it's in trouble. And, and so I didn't know I was going to be given <laughs> biblical and marriage advice, but it's like, I'm not trying to give advice. I'm trying to say, I have a hard time. I have negative thoughts. We have fights, you know, I think she's crazy sometimes. She thinks I'm crazy sometimes. But at the end of the day, we're committed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are talking about earlier uh, creating stories that aren't true. You know, it, it reminds me, I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of people live like that, where they'll tell themselves a story that, that they're this way because this happened. And a lot of times, the whole story that made them that way isn't even a true story Mm. it's so true man and it can be 30 years 40 years can go by your whole people can live their whole life believing something that's not even true and i think because this is the great we we hear about all the um the social networking how bad it is and evil ai is and evil and, and i get it there's some bad stuff but the beauty of what we're doing right now and blasting it out to, you know, hopefully millions of people. Um, the beauty of it is we're talking and people are relating and information's getting passed on, truth's getting passed on. Mm-hmm. But the, the the flip side of that is there's also, uh, you have to sift through all this stuff. Like if we separate from each other, like COVID example, mm-hmm. like where we can't go and get, that's why I travel, that's why I travel, travel, disintegrates all bigotry and racism or whatever Hemingway's quote is like it. If you travel and you, and you go around from city to city to city, from country to country to country, you realize that everybody's the same. We're Mm -hmm. exactly the same red or yellow, black and white. You are precious. You know, it is so obvious when you travel, if you stay in the same mindset, the same city, the same five people, the same eight people, the same little bitty thing and i'm not some people can't some people have to stay in their cul-de-sac and i get it but the the pandemic one of the worst parts about it was we were so we were encouraged to consolidate our units and our groups well then information's not passed on as hunters and gatherers thousands of years well the reason we were successful is because tribes would share information Mm -hmm. the reason we're successful as human race because We'd share information in the medical field. Vanderbilt's a great example. The reason I'm cured, the reason Alex is cured, because a group of doctors got together and talked about what their thoughts and their, well, the pandemic shut all that down. Mm -hmm. And then you start making up things in the dark. And then, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. You ever heard of that? No. The greatest feat that the devil ever accomplished was was convincing us all that he doesn't exist. Mm. And he does that in the dark. He does that because you may go to sleep with your with your good looking woman, but you may go to bed with your good looking woman, but you sleep alone with mm. your thoughts. 
And when, when he gets you alone in isolation, then, you know, those negative thoughts come in that are not true, that are not, and they grow and you make them true. Five, you know, five months turns to five years, turns to 50. And then, then, then generational, that can be generational, uh, lies. Yeah, Things can be, you know, it, I mean, we're dealing it. I don't want to go into the, I don't think I do anyway. I want to go into the Israel thing, it, you know, but Palestine, like all of that stuff, like that is so generational. We can't fix that. It's, it, we can't, it, it's, they are going to do what they're going to do yeah. because it's been ingrained in their nervous system. Yeah. They are in it and they are never going to see it another way. That's when it gets dangerous because there's always another way. There's always a solution. There's always a light. In my in in Christ's teachings, in my thinking, there's always a light. There's always positivity at the end of the tunnel. There's always a way out. Always. And, you know, we've all dealt with suicide and, and lost people to addictions and stuff like that that they just quit. Yeah. Because they don't see it because they isolate themselves. What do they do when they they'll you'll see them draw back mm -hmm. and they go get alone and they start convincing themselves that all that stuff's true. Yeah. No doubt about it. And you know, that's why it is so important to, to seek the truth. And you know, a lot of these stories though, even if it's a made up story that you believe is true, well then flip it. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Cause sometimes we don't know when we're making up stories. You know, this is, it's mm -hmm. our interpretation of the specific uh, circumstance that happened. And that interpretation causes us to be or believe a certain way, but you know, we can also take those circumstances and, uh, you know, flip them as, as you talk about, you do constantly. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't do that. And, and I think it's kind of like a, it's almost like a plague of society right now. Uh, for those that, you know, I, I talk about people being victims a lot, you know, victims to their circumstances. And it's a, it's a sure way to misery. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's how people actually become, unsuccessful consistently thinking they're a victim because you don't get any power from that uh, and you blame others for uh those specific circumstances it's like the opposite of a personal responsibility and there's times where people actually are victims but in general most of the time we can take personal responsibility for for uh, you know uh, our own circumstances and those things that are happening but um you know I think society has kind of turned away from that and then they're teaching, uh, teaching the opposite. Um, you know, you think about how you flipped this whole stroke that you went through into a completely positive thing. And you envisioned early, early on the benefit for the brain and what you were going to do, uh, how you were going to do it, you know, and, and you put on this amazing event, raised about a quarter million dollars, mm -hmm uh, for, uh, different causes. One of them was our foundation as mm -hmm. well, Miracle Hope Foundation. And, you know, it's making that, making that impact and difference. You could have been just as easy, e easily. You could have been a victim to what happened to you. Been like, yeah. Oh, woe is me. I'm not going to be able to play anymore. I'm not going to be able to dance around the stage anymore. You know, uh, all of these things could have easily gone through your head. And I believe that if you would have actually believed that we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it, 
you're exactly right. And and honestly, it, it was really hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to to go. This is what I'm going to do. This sure. is what I'm going to choose. But it's all about. And when I go speak to people that have battled with AVMs or strokes or you know uh, traumatic brain injuries, find something to look forward to. Yeah. I don't care, man, if it's a trip, if it's a son's graduation, if it's a uh, Tuesday morning workout, like move, like even as hard as painful as it was to move, I moved Mm -hmm. and I figured out how to move. So movement and finding something to look forward to. And that could have been a like, that could have been a sandwich mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Like that was what I was looking forward to that day. Today, what I look forward to is, you know, my dog's going to come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to see that dog. Like tomorrow I'm going to, uh, a buddy's coming over, you know, whatever it is, finding that and benefit for the brain was the big thing. Mm-hmm. The thing that seemed esoteric, Almost not unreachable, but like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Call them big rocks and little rocks in, in <laughs> our business meetings. Like, but I, that was something that I kept looking, looking at, and I'm working towards that. I'm looking forward to because I'm living, living for a purpose bigger than me every day. And that could be people, pets. That could be uh, uh, something like benefit for the brain or a foundation or something that you're passionate about. And that's you know. What are you passionate about? What do you? What is your tribe? Who is your? What? 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 What is your influence? What? What? What do you want to do? You yeah. Know? And really tapping into that and asking yourself that question, you know, being around kids and people glued to screens all the time. One of my things with my son is always going to be when I sit down and say, "How was your day?" <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be pretty militant in the fact that. You, you, I need I need adjectives. <laughs> I need things. You need to explain how your day was. Yeah. And tell me, you know, how was your day? How did it go? And, and be truthful. You know, be truthful inside of that. And, and, I, and I think we need to do that with ourselves, a check-in with ourselves. And like I said, back to the cool laid-back guy, that might not be the cool laid-back thing to do. Right. Drake, you're, you're always just so serious. <laughs> like, why don't you back off? I, I'll back off. I'll back off, but, you know, this is what keeps me healthy. Yeah. It's what keeps my my uh, my brain clean of thoughts because those thoughts start to, to, to bank up, you know, and, you know, that's, that's a mental condition. Yeah. Mental conditions, everybody's got them. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a battle in their brain that they're dealing with. Like, you're going to feed that wolf, you're going to feed that wolf. They're both wolves. Yeah. Good and able. Absolutely. What's the big picture uh, for the benefit for the brain? Like, what's the what's the future look like for that? Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be an annual thing. Um, we're going to pick uh, different, different like, CPI, uh, uh, Creative Vets, and Make-A-Wish was the three that benefited this year. Uh, like you said, we raised about a quarter million dollars and uh, got everything lined up in the we're actually getting all that uh, paid out, by the way, uh, like this week. It's awesome. crazy that we're just now talking. But um, the big idea for that is every year 
do you know the Ryman was a great place to do it. Um, we just talk. I'm not. I'm gonna pick an epic spot every year uh, to go and do to do to raise and just through prayer and through observation find the partners that uh, that that you know you search for a need. There's gonna be a need somewhere. There's plenty of need out there. So I want it to be traumatic brain injury related. I think. This whole PTSD, I think uh, the whole uh, microdosing, psilocybin, all that stuff, I think that's a huge wave is coming down the pipe mm-hmm. with that. I'm very interested in that stuff. Um, I'm very interested in, in figuring out where the needs are at and for traumatic brain injuries specifically. I'm very interested in... in, in uh, finding these things before like early childhood uh, detection. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get tested for scoliosis, like why don't you do a brain scan and see, because if I would have found it when I was seven or eight, I can't believe all the motorcycles and <laughs> kicks to the head that I had, you know, wrestling and fighting and all the stuff. Like we didn't, we didn't, I never had a concussion. Yeah. I never got a scan. Well, I mean, it's pretty, as technology evolves, like, it's pretty easy. So the big picture for it is to have it every year to find the need to raise money in awareness mm-hmm. of actually breaking through the stigma of the Hollywood trigger phrase of uh, mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, what is mental health awareness? Yeah. Well, dude, it's literally you making up that lie yeah. that that's not true and actually seeking out, you know, help for it, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. Well, you had... Uh... Uh, Miles Adcock mm. hosting, and he has on-site. Yeah. Um, how did how do you, how do you know Miles? And I, so it's kind of same thing, kind of like how you and I met. I I had I've known of Miles for many many years, and uh, yeah, yeah, I got to hang that night. Yeah, that was, it was awesome, awesome seeing y'all chop it up for a while. Yeah, how how did you meet uh, Miles? Well, uh, total total God thing. Like Miles is so he's a plethora of knowledge mm-hmm. and the guy is got a servant's heart and literally we have this group of guys called the dang gang um <laughs> in nashville and it's just a bunch of artists that if i named them all right here you would everybody would know i mean and it, because our road is very mental we feel everything we're artists that's mm-hmm. what we're supposed to do feel it so we can feel things and a lot of times that cross is heavy and it gets heavy, and Miles is trained in so many different ways. Miles has faced a traumatic brain injury. Miles has mm-hmm. come out and and shown me how to navigate certain things in my life that 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 you know where I'm from Alabama. It's like, well, maybe I should just go freaking whoop his ass. No, you can't. <laughs> no. What what if you did this? And it, his ideas yeah. are always better than whooping it. Sometimes he probably might need his ass whooped. I don't know. <laughs> but Miles is got that group and we meet, you know, I haven't, you meet when you can, but they meet once a month and we come in and hash it up, dude. And, and it sometimes his training is immense. Yeah. I've heard amazing things, experiential training. I, I did some of that, uh, in Las Vegas for about 10, well, I guess uh, nine years now. Mm. Um, done a bunch of different, uh, courses. And, um, so I was reading it, his, his program seemed a little different, but I've heard, amazing things about him so it's cool that you know uh y'all were uh, y'all are friends and 
um, you connected us. I think I'm going to ask him to come on the podcast sometime. You should. Well, he stepped out. He stepped into a, uh, he just, he completely volunteered for that. And I had the thought of like a comedic relief, like a Dave Barnes. And Dave was like, I will, uh, I would be very nervous to do that. I've never done anything like that. And honestly, I just, uh, shout out to Dave too. Sorry if I, but the miles was like, Hey man, if you need help, like I can, I can do this. And it worked perfectly. Yeah. He was awesome. That, that event, can, those events can get stale and he just kept it moving and kept it going. And there was so, that was so the whole event, none of it was really planned with what the artist, it was just like, let the artist get up there and do it. And, you know, Randy Hauser and Riley and, and Jamie did a great job and, and they're just authentic dudes anyway. Yeah, and we've man. been friends for a long time. I didn't know that yeah. you were, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised, but uh, I've known Randy for a long time too. And I was thrilled to see him. On the show. He's and so good. Crushed it. Oh my gosh. Just him at the Ryman with an acoustic guitar. Randy Hauser, my God. It's unbelievable. It, it was it was unreal. Yeah. And uh so yeah, you know, that place is conducive back to spirituality and there's so much there's so much zhuzh, yeah, so much spirit in that place, like so many uh ghosts and things that are going on. Like you put it in there. And let it do its thing. Let yeah. the place do its thing. Let the spirit, you know. And it happened, man. And it was just such a cool night. It was a stake in the ground to say, hey, we're not dead. Sure. It wasn't about me. I'm not trying to make it. But it was a cool thing in Nashville. You know this town is very like, what's next? Yes. It was a very like, oh, dude, he's 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 back. Yep. He's not. He didn't die. Right. You know, and, and that was four years after I had the stroke, you know. So... It, it took a long time and being patient for four years to a guy that's not, I'm not the, the most patient person. I don't consider myself patient, you know, but these things have helped me understand where things take time yeah, and just, just kind of settle in and let, let, let the things you can't control, let them go and let God do his thing. Yeah. And it was, uh, to me, it was a perfect place. Um, you know, the mother church in Nashville, uh, you know, uh, a grateful crowd. They were just, uh, you know, very, very happy and, mm-hmm. and, you know, down for the cause. Of course, happy to see the artists as, as well. They were in it. They were in it, man. And uh, it's the first time I've ever uh, done anything at the Ryman. Yeah. So I've spoken a lot of different places, but I mean, I was I know like, you were nervous. I was. I was like, oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Two hands on the microphone. Yeah. Because uh, my hands will shake with, with yeah. this one, especially... Especially did, a place a like that, job. but same thing as you were saying, man. I, I was just uh, grateful, grateful. I'm grateful to mm-hmm. be here. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, God, for letting me do this. Yep. And th- that was the conversation that uh, that that I was having in your head. Absolutely, yeah. It's so funny, Doctor Miracle. Uh, I asked him to open the show, which I thought was a great yep. thing, you know. And his wife is sitting back there, and, and uh, I saw her like whispering, and I was like, "Hey, you doing okay?" She goes, "Yeah." this up. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't matter if he does. He's, he's, you know, he's the re- he's one of the reasons I'm here. Absolutely. So, and he did, he did a great job, but he was extremely nervous. Oh, was like, Cause he's, he's a brain surgeon. He's not a public speaker, like, not a public speaker. <laughs> That's great. Different. Everybody did great. Everybody did great. It, it was, it was, it was a, it was an awesome night. I'm yep. yeah. Thankful for you even, uh, you know, inviting me and yep. uh, being a part of it. Cause it was, it was, uh, 
it was special, man. Yeah. I was, I was very grateful to be there. Well, man, I've felt that way since, you know, the day that, that I met you and your crew and everybody that you've introduced me to, you know, talking to whether it be a doctor or a fighter or, or just somebody that you're like, Hey, you know, you need to meet these people. Like it, it's, it is a cool thing that we met and, and it's, it's taken me uh, a long way. So it's the least I can do to, to shed some light on, 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 uh, on the good that you're doing. You oh know? yeah. Thank you, man. What's got, uh, what, what you got for the rest of, or for 2024, uh, yeah. for your music? Yeah, we, uh, we we're making another record, uh, right now with my buddy, Jonathan Singleton, and it is my favorite. We've got it recorded. It's, it's ready. We're kind of packaging it up right now and getting the, the feels for it. Um, we've got, um, a bunch of, we're going out on tour starting in February all over the U S with my buddy, Adam hood, um, who's an incredible singer, songwriter, performer from Alabama. And, uh, uh, it's called the bridge tour. And, uh, dude, just going out and doing the, doing the thing, you know, just continuing to build. Um, we're looking to get into those more rhyming esque type places. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've been doing this for 12 years, man. And, and we've been pushing, we've been in clubs, you know, we worked our way up from 75 to, to, to 200 to 600 to 800 to 1500 you know and then the rhyming you know still in that place out was a huge thing so just continuing uh to to build the platform and to uh to just do it you yeah. know like in in convincing yourself that you are doing it yeah. you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do and and you know this is all about uh, in an industry that can can be a little bit surface and all about flash and how many people were this and how many numbers like you're doing it like and just keeping that momentum in that's 2024 for us man just continuing to build on the momentum that you saw at the rhyming and uh through new records new music and in uh same message though yeah so is is uh is it one of those things cuz you know you had a record deal 4 years ago you know, now everything's on social media and, you know, Spotify and those type of things. Do you even want that? What the record? Deal? Would you want another record deal? I mean, it would have to be something that was very right. I say this a lot, but the people that say they don't want one is usually the people that can't get one. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll be fully transparent in the fact that like we've been dropped from two record deals. <clears throat> I have a manager now that's very, uh, that's very, uh, independent independently minded mm -hmm. and driven um for me it just all comes down to numbers and business of like when it when it makes sense for somebody you know labels can be really good mm -hmm. for for you at, at certain times so you know do i even want that i mean at right now it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. um but i'm sure it will uh it, it takes one thing you know one idea one song heck one tiktok at this point <laughs> for com your whole life to change like, yeah. immediately almost. And so we're doing that thing. I'm actually, uh, I got a TikTok content meeting <laughs> after this, this podcast. And are you going to do TikTok dances, Drake? No, ah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't do the TikTok. Come dances. on, man. I might I'll do to. one with you if I'm you about, do it. Oh, totally. I don't even have TikTok, but I'm I'll go down. On. I'm down. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Like at the point, as far as like, am I going to be embarrassed? Dude, I had my my sister was two and a half years older. 
My mom was a cosmetologist. They tried to embarrass me every day, every minute of every day. Yeah. So good luck. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I'll do it. Okay. Well, I guess we'll, we'll do our first TikTok dance right. together. Let's do it. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Yeah. I, I just ask is, you know, you've, you have a ton of experience, you know, as an artist you've been through, as you said, I, th- I, I, th- I thought about just one, but she said two record deals. Um, you've been very successful. Um, you've overcome a lot of adversity. And so I was just curious if that's even what you want. And, you know, doing all those things, uh, someone just moved to Nashville to be a musician. They're Drake white 20 years ago. Yeah. What would you, uh, what would you say to him? Man, you can't replace playing live. Go play live, go write songs with your buddies. Proximity is power. Go write songs with your buddies. Go write some more songs with your buddies. Go out and sing them live. Go play live. Go learn to play that and entertain that crowd live and, and make your pitch and make your angle and keep doing it. And then when you have 10 people tell you suck, get back up and do it 10,000 more times. And you'll figure out real quick if, you, if you're made for it because you'll keep going, you'll keep going, you'll keep squirving. And, um, but go play, go write songs with your friends. If you're not a songwriter, go be around great songwriters and get great songs and go play live, go play live over and over and over, get you a, uh, content person that that's your buddy. If you can't afford one, find one that you can figure something out with and you'll do that and get, and start shooting it, start shooting it all. And putting it out there. But go play live and, and record it. Record it all. Record every bit of it and put it out. And if it sucks, then keep doing it until it's good. Because it's probably going to suck at first, you know? <laughs> you know? And, and it's not going to suck, but it's not going to be great. You know, it takes your 10,000 hours is a real thing. 10-year mm-hmm. towns is a real thing. Um, all that stuff's a real thing. But gum, it's the best time to be an artist. It just is. And I'm not – there's your sunshine and rainbow. It's like <laughs> – it really is, man. Yeah, it's it's tumultuous, and the wolves are there, but they ain't got this figured out yet. And streaming and all that stuff, they will figure it out. They will figure out the playlisting and the streaming. But right now, it is it is a really good time to be an independent artist and be out there. And um, you know, as far as the big labels, you know, they're, they're, they have their they shout out to them. I, I love. That's very diplomatic of me. I love them all, <laughs> but you know, I've got some great friends in them and I understand them inside and out. But you know, the, the music industry is in, it's the wild west right now. It's good. Yeah. Anything in closing uh, that you want to want to say, man, just thank you for letting me have an outlet uh, for some real stuff. And, and uh, you know, I just, I love being on this earth and, and I, I really do believe that, uh, tomorrow's going to be better than today. There's a lot of crazy things going on out there, but dadgummit, it's not, it's not, uh, what did they say in the pandemic all the time? They said uh, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. They use that all the time. That is fear-based. Like, we can't be fear. Like, find your faith. Find your thing that you that you love and your thing to look forward to, and let's go. You know, just keep pushing for it. But I appreciate the platform, and... uh Appreciate the opportunity to take another breath. Drake White, thank you, brother.